This is episode 18 of the Abuse Talk podcast with me, Jennifer Gilmore. Welcome to the Abuse Talk podcast. My name is Jennifer Gilmore and I turned my mess into a message. I'm an author and advocate for women in abusive relationships and promote that together we are louder. Each fortnight there is a new episode on the Abuse Talk podcast featuring a series of interviews with those that work in the domestic abuse sector, getting an inside feel for what it's really like in their job role and sharing it with all of you. There's also a chance for you to join in the discussion by leaving a voice recording a message so that we can share together in the discussion. I want to say a big thank you to Rockpool. They sponsor Hashtag Abuse Talk and they have some exciting news. Next Wednesday there is a a webinar and you can access it, it's on the 13th of May at 2.30pm and it's a Q&A session with Sue Penner. Now Sue Penner has just released a book, it's a self-help book based on Rockpool's 12-week group programme. Um, You can get it on Amazon, it's £4.99 for Kindle and £7.99 in paperback but let's just have a look at this. Um, It says, have you left an abusive relationship? Are you still carrying guilt? Would you like to understand, challenge and remove the voice of the perpetrator? Do you still think what happened to you was your fault? And do you find dealing with new people in your life something to be scared about? So that's what the book is about and I'm really honoured to actually be a part of it. I gave my anecdotes, um, basically my experiences of how I found each part of the programme. So do have a look. It's Wednesday the 13th of May at 2.30pm and you can find it at rockpool.life. I also want to say a big thank you to my patrons. Susan Rahima, Katrina Hay and new patron Dion Jacqueline Marsden. They are a part of the hashtag abuse talk tier on my Patreon account which you can find at patreon.com forward slash Jen L Gilmore. If you want exclusive news and updates to find out what's happening with hashtag abuse talk as we move forward you can go over there and find out. So do have a look. Now to get on with the interview with Zoe Parsons, we unwrap everything to do with narcissistic abuse and she answers a mass of questions. In fact, we've had to split it into two parts. Zoe has got a wealth of experience and we're going to start unpicking it. So Zoe, before we you know, get into the questions, can you just tell us a bit about you and, and what you do? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a survivor myself. I was in an abusive relationship where I experienced oh everything, emotional, physical, sexual, financial abuse. I have a child with him. He's actually in prison for what he did to me. So he got sentenced to 11 and a half years for ABH, harassment and rape. So as part of basically my healing process, because what I found is just trying to educate yourself trying to understand really what's happened was where I started and I just found that 
I mean, this was like four and a half, five years ago now. And I just found that there wasn't a huge amount of information and mainly emotional support out there where you can get help from someone who actually understands what you've been through. Because when you're healing from being in an abusive relationship, it's not a normal breakup. It's not just your heart that's broken. It's actually your spirit. And it goes a lot deeper than what maybe what your friends and family are thinking about. So I'm trained and I got certified first of all as a freedom program facilitator. So I was running support groups and then um, I thought, and I started posting on my Instagram page and I had so many people contacting me. I was like, how can I do this in a more official capacity? So I got my certification as a life coach and a counselor and I've set up my practice, which is self-love after abuse, because in my experience, I found apart from educating yourself, self-love is so important. And I'm not talking a bubble bath or that type of thing you know I'm talking the self-love that emotionally heals you and really that's now what I do I just help men and women who have been in these types of situations understand heal and then basically go on and thrive and I think because I've been there I've experienced it all I mean we was chatting earlier and I mean I've experienced the whole range of abuse I've experienced family court criminal court I've had to relocate so I've had to start my life from scratch so I have experienced and I do understand so it's like when you talk with me I'm coming from a place of really knowing and feeling what you're going through yeah no that's great I mean it's it's been a pleasure to listen to your journey before you know just talking and unpicking the familiarities between services etc um, so we're here to discuss narcissistic abuse specifically, um, but I thought it'd be really good to really, you know, what, what is it? Because maybe we don't all understand the, the true definition of yeah. narcissism. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I, I kind of feel that the words narcissist or you hear everyone saying, oh, my ex is a narc. Mm. And it's kind of the word is thrown around quite casually. But actually what narcissism is, is it's a personality disorder which has to get diagnosed by a professional and to be diagnosed with this personality disorder so it's narcissistic personality disorder or NPD you there are in total there are nine narcissistic traits and to be diagnosed a person needs to be displaying five or more right so for someone to be a true narc they have to display five or more of these characteristics. But that doesn't mean that you might be in a relationship with someone who's maybe displaying one, two, three or four of them. That doesn't mean that your experience with that person is any less hurtful or less valid. It just means that from a clinical psychological diagnosis, technically they're not a narcissist. Mm -hmm. So we all have narcissistic traits. Some obviously we have between you know one or maybe the nine so it's kind of on a scale so if you think about it it's called the scale of sociopathy and you've got like someone who's going to have narcissistic traits here going up the scale to someone who's narcissistic to someone who's a sociopath to someone who's a psychopath and basically the further along the scale they are the main thing that's going to impact you as a person 
is they're going to have less empathy. That's, yeah. That is the main thing that you're really going to notice about. They're going to have less empathy and they're going to be more selfish. So if you're in a relationship with someone who has no empathy, is really selfish, who has a grandiose complex, who kind of feels that they're always right, maybe feels that basically they are God, right? Because yeah. some, some do. You know, obviously, these type of behaviours when they're dealing with you, it's, it's going to be very emotional and mental. And the thing is with narcissism is it's something that generally develops when that person is a child. So it's how the brain develops. And it's normally as a result of one or two things. So it's either because that child has been in an abusive family so whether that's neglectful physical you know they've or sexual type of abuse or it's because they've been in a family where they've been spoiled essentially and they've not been set boundaries they've been They've learned entitlement that they can have whatever they want, whenever they want. They're never disciplined. And what it does is these two types of environments will make a child's brain develop in a certain way. And it emphasizes these narcissistic traits that we all have to Mm. a point that they become more. So... I'm not saying that this is an excuse for their behavior because obviously as humans, we all have a choice, right? Mm -hmm. So we can choose to behave or not behave in a certain way, but on a psychological level, this is how basically a narcissist grows or becomes. Right. Okay. So obviously we're, we're, talked about and you we've talked about it and you've mentioned it just then about the fact that the word narc and you know monarch x is being you know spread around Mm. it's like a buzzword at the moment why why do you think it is you know why are people using that terminology i think it's just easy to kind of describe someone in like a kind of off the cuff sort of way without fully understanding the complexity of actually what narcissism is so I mean to get a narcissistic diagnosis obviously a person would have to go to a psychologist and because narcs don't think that there's anything wrong with them these kind of diagnoses are really hard to come by so yeah, there are definitely more narcissists out there than statistically we're told, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your ex, because he was selfish and didn't take the bins out, that doesn't make him a knock. That just makes him a prat, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it's it's not narcissistic behaviour. It, it's kind of, but I just think people have heard the word they like the sound of it and they've just jumped on it and in a way I feel that because it is so widely used now to describe Mm -hmm. behavior that is selfish and stupid and just general ignorant behavior that essentially if the person 
wanted to they could change that behavior right Mm -hmm. and that's the difference between someone who's a narcissist and someone who's not so a narcissist will never change they don't feel that there's anything wrong with them and they will continue doing what they're doing irrespective Mm-hmm. Whereas someone who might have narcissistic traits, they might go, you know what, I'm really not happy with how my behavior is impacting my partner. I can really see that it's damaging and I do want to change. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you're going to see the change. We're not talking about a narcissist using, oh, I want to change as a way to manipulate because yes. when people say they're going to change, you want to see action after the words, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only way you can fully proof that someone is doing what they say is by action so but yeah i, I do think well, going back i guess as well like um it takes away the seriousness of that totally. form of abuse um totally. and so then for those who were saying you know this is something i've experienced um and and you know actually ha- have that as part of, part of them and their you know their story then that understanding then is washed out, isn't it? Because totally. people just have a an idea in their head, which is maybe not the correct idea. Totally. And obviously, if you have genuinely been with someone who's got three, four, five, six of these narcissistic traits, maybe nine of them, your experience and the damage that it does to you is going to be so much worse than someone who is just saying oh my boyfriend or my ex is such a knock he was so selfish he never cooked me dinner Mm. you know and and it totally like you're saying it totally invalidates your experience Mm. and and also I think it puts a um limit on the places where you can really go to get help yeah because people don't understand you know what narcissism is and what narcissistic abuse is and the damage that it really does to you as a person and it's it's kind of it's fine my ex was a narc as well and it's like well actually and then you're into that whole thing of comparing yeah justifying (laughs) exactly and it's like well my abuse was worse and he did this and then they're like oh yeah but you know and it's like the last thing you need and and want is to be going into Mm -hmm. that whole type of comparison of abuse because ultimately it's irrelevant because you you're the one who experienced the that abuse and you're the most important person in your life so what you experienced compared to someone else really doesn't matter because you experienced it and they didn't Mm. right well as I say we have got a bunch of questions (laughs) and I've tried to put them together to sort of maybe you know, linked together. So hopefully this okay. will I'm asking them all anonymously as well. So for those who are watching, they'll probably have to listen to hear, to hear their question. So um, I think we might have touched on this, but um, somebody's asked, is it possible to recover from their abuse? And can you take on some of their traits yourself? So yes, it's totally possible to cover from narcissistic abuse. I mean, I myself, am, I'm proof of that. I would say, I mean, my ex, he wasn't clinically diagnosed, but I know from what I know now that I would say that he's a narcissistic sociopath and Mm -hmm. I've healed and I'm thriving. So you can do it, but it takes specific support and you need to 
be working with someone or having the right type of information to understand the mindset because the mindset of a narcissist when you understand why they behave how they do it's actually quite enlightening and totally empowering and it can help you move forward in your journey with regards um catching narcissism or becoming one yourself then the answer is no mm. you wouldn't um quite often what happens is while you're in that relationship you will do what's called reactive abuse mm -hmm. where you respond to the abuse that you're experiencing and then they will turn around and say oh you're such an abuser you're such a knock because you mm -hmm. might have actually been the one that's turned around and hit them I mean I, I remember an instance with my ex he we was arguing I was, we was in the kitchen I got a knife from the door and I so wanted to stab him and like I held it and he just laughed at me and he was like oh you're so you're so violent with me what are you going to do with that knife and and I was just like yeah what am I going to do with this knife it's like this is ridiculous but I was the one with the knife he wasn't the one with the knife yet he was the one that had been abusing me so if the police yeah. had been called at that point in time mm. then obviously I would have been the one arrested because I was yeah. the one with a weapon yeah. not him and yet I'm definitely not an abuser Mm -hmm. So you do react, but that doesn't make you a knock because essentially the difference, I think I mentioned it before, the difference between a narcissist and not a narcissist is they don't care. Yeah. They, they're not prepared to change. They don't see anything wrong in their behavior and they don't feel bad about it. Whereas I, in my instance, I had that knife and I felt terrible afterwards. I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? This is really bad. This isn't me. Why did I do that? And then you beat yourself up because you just, you're just so shocked by your own, own behavior, right? And that that's itself, what you're saying with that, you know, because, I, and I remember somebody telling me, um, you know, if you put a dog in a cage and every day you go up and you just, poke them you know maybe you don't feed them very well or everything and they're locked up in this little cage and one day when you finally let them out what's that what are they going to do they're going to bite you because exactly you know, and it and and that, that's the only way i can really explain it to people when you know those situations you know sort of come about and um, but thank you for sharing that because that is a obviously a personal part of your journey um, but I'm sure there will be many people that relate to it as well. Um, and it's really difficult to not react um, or want to do something. Or Yes, <laughs> exactly. Especially when you're in the relationship and even when you're out of the relationship. Because ultimately these people, they know what buttons to press. Mm. So what to someone else might seem a normal comment to you, you know, it's highly personal. Yeah. And, it's, and it makes you react to it in a certain way, which is one of, I mean, I mean, we're going to digress a bit, but it's one of the reasons why when you go to family court, it's so hard to prove this type of coercive, emotional, narcissistic abuse, because a lot of the time it's very covert. Yes. And unless you have the back history of your personal life, a judge isn't going to understand the off the cuff comments that yeah. 
they would have said essentially yeah or the way they look or there's a signal it can be it could be anything yeah. right exactly. so um we've got another question i have read some psychologists psychologists scoff <laughs> at how the term <laughs> banded about today arguing that there are actually few, very few narcissists so are there differences between a narcissist and someone who displays narcissistic tendencies if so what are they so i think you've covered that generally did you have any other um you know the traits or, or whatever that would show the differences um to be honest i kind of feel that often we get hung up on the term mm. and what's actually involved in it. But ultimately what's important is how, it, how that person makes you feel because whether or not they're a narcissist, if they're making you feel confused, controlled, scared, isolated, um, just, you know, feeling that you're generally anxious, those are, unhealthy behaviors in any relationship and whether or not that person is a narcissist or not if you are feeling that way then that's when you need to take action because that's what i would say to indicate that your relationship is toxic is abusive however you want to label it whether or not they're a narcissist i mean for, for me when i speak with my clients I mean, obviously, when we have sessions, they'll talk about things and I'll be like, well, that's definitely a narcissistic trait. And that's and they've probably done this because of this, because the thing right. is with narcissists is their mindset and their behaviors is very similar. So, for instance, on my Instagram, I'll post content regularly explaining and answering questions like, why does a narcissist leave their belongings? You know, and, and it's like, why do they do that? Because they all have a similar pattern of behavior so it's like once you understand that and you get the answer to that question it can help you move on and heal so yeah no that's yeah. okay so i've got another one here i'm curious if there is any scientific research on a narcissistic um origins so obviously we've sort of covered that a bit are they born that way or nurtured that way um, and obviously that person mm -hmm. is, you know, obviously experienced some kind of narcissism, but they're, you know, looking at if that is the way they're born or whether that's the way they're nurtured. But I think you've just said it there really, haven't you? Yeah. And I, you know what, I actually think it's, this is an important question because if you have a child with someone who's narcissistic, it, it can be really worrying because I've got a daughter with mine. Right. Mm. And I was like, Oh my God, does this mean that she's inherited yeah these traits these behaviors am i gonna end up being abused by her like i was him mm. and basically the answer is no because this the children it's dependent on the environment that the children grow in so if you're providing an emotionally supportive disciplined you know structured family home then your child's going to grow up fine. Yeah. No, that's great. That I mean, that you know, that's reassuring to hear as well, isn't it, for, for those mm. that maybe have had that experience. So why is narcissism not recognised as a formal personality disorder? So obviously you mentioned it was, but they're saying 
um, about the understanding of a formal diagnosis and it's not recognised by science? So it is recognised by science. So um, psychologically, you've got those, basically you've got two personality disorders, which is narcissism and sociopath. And then when you go into being a psychopath, it's classed as an antisocial personality disorder. Right. So people like Ted Bundy, they had, they were psychopaths. They had an antisocial personality disorder. Right. And that's obviously the extreme of this scale. So if you think about what I said earlier about the scale, you've got kind of basically the whole range of yeah. people there but it's only when you've got five or more of the nine traits would you go into a diagnosis but as mm. I said earlier getting a diagnosis is hard yeah and I suppose it's I mean where would you even get a diagnosis you know what point would the police you know intervene and request it would the family courts intervene and request it or is it no you have um, to sort of section them or how would you get to it to be honest I think most times you're going to get a diagnosis is you're still with them and they're saying you need to do family counts, couples counselling. Yeah. And obviously couples counselling generally is a tactic of abuse and anyone who's abusive genuinely will just use that as a means to get more information to use against you, especially if they're narcissists. And maybe during that session, if the psychologist isn't, taken in by their mask that they're wearing because you have to remember that narcissists they wear a mask and they're very good at presenting one way publicly mm. to a different way at home and they can maintain these masks for a period of time and it's while they were wearing this mask that's when we fell in love with them right so yeah. you know it's it's like they can bamboozle people and professionals into thinking something that they're not so I think in most cases a diagnosis would probably come up there like you say maybe if during the court proceedings you can get a you know a psychologist to give an assessment maybe while they're in prison or if they're mm. sectioned or whatever but it's generally something forced so I mean someone like you or I we know that we might need extra support and we'll go you know what I'm going to go to someone like Zoe I'm going to get my counseling and I'm going to get the extra support I need to heal and understand and move on from this whereas a narcissist would never do that because yeah. they think they're fine yeah okie dokie right we've got um a personal question she's given me two so is there any way of getting a narcissist to see the impact of their behavior um she's put i'm not expecting change just would be good to see if they could actually see it so they already know what they're doing they know what they're doing and they don't care so you expending your energy trying to have conversations and discussions with a narcissist is actually a waste of your time and your energy, mm -hmm. which is actually what they want because narcissists, they're all about getting emotional supply. This is what they want, right? They are essentially empty and they can't self-regulate this or self-produce this. So for instance, you or I, if we feel sad, we'll do something to make ourselves happy, right? Yeah. And you can self-generate feelings. Whereas with a narcissist, they can't do that. Right. And they need to get that 
form of energy of someone else so when they're with you they will make you sad they will make you angry they will make you happy they will make you sexually aroused they will make you tired whatever it is that produces energy they will manufacture that within the relationship so they can basically suck it out of you so yeah i mean they they know what they're doing yeah so i personally i wouldn't i would recommend conserving your energy and not even bothering right okay and um somebody um the same lady has asked on what level does the narcissist intend to harm others or are we just a means to their end so yeah i think i probably answered that we're just a means to the end it's they just they are so selfish they don't look at us it's kind of it's basically if you've seen the matrix you know how basically everyone was plugged in so that the energy could be fed off for a certain yeah. amount of people it's a similar type of mindset to that it's like they don't look at you as someone who has feelings and is hurt and they don't feel remorse about that type of stuff as far as they're concerned you're there mm-hmm. to serve them to give them what you to give them what they need to basically use you and it's one of the reasons why narcissists will cheat yeah because they need that constant supply and the longer you're with a narcissist the more tired and drained you're going to become and the less you're going to be able to give so they are constantly working and looking for a new source essentially okay so thank you for that i'm sure they'll appreciate it um <laughs> but it's like bad news isn't it really but um i know it's <laughs> somebody it is, asked, yeah. um, obviously it's quite a personal question as well why does it mess with your brain so much even if you weren't abused physically or sexually and is it damaging or worse so i think obviously thinking about even coercive control and like the psychological aspect of things and then the, just the physical elements and separating them it's often spoken about how you know physical abuse um sorry um coercive control is you know a lot you know worse it has a deeper impact so what would you say to, to that yeah i mean i i always say that once you've experienced to heal from emotional mental verbal abuse however we want to label it it takes years Mm. whereas I know with my ex like I ended up he attacked me and I ended up having to have 12 stitches in my face and it's like the scar within six months had healed and now you virtually can't see it and and yet it probably took me about two years of intensive work and therapy to get to a place where I was not having the panic attacks, not having the nightmares, not having the flashbacks. I'd recovered from the PTSD that I was diagnosed with, you know, and, and it's, that's the stuff that does take a really long time to heal. And I think when you're with your friends and family, that's the stuff that they don't understand because, I mean, we mentioned earlier, we, you know, I was saying that this isn't a normal breakup. You're not just break you know with a broken heart you're healing with a broken spirit because the Mm -hmm. tactics that these people use 
they're torture tactics, you know, and they really, really damage you internally. And yeah, the psychological damage is really hard. But like I said, just because you have been on the receiving end of that, it doesn't mean you can't heal from it because you can. With the right support and information, you can totally recover from mm. it. But it's it's hard work definitely yeah i think it, it takes a lot of focus as well so once you take your eye off the off the game of like that recovery mode and you know that side of it you sort of tend to go back to your old ways in thinking and responding when you're you know you, it's like it takes energy to recover just as much as it takes energy to deal with the abuse that you experience um definitely. so um and go on sorry other things sorry also what happens with um when you've been in this type of relationship i don't know you've probably heard the term trauma bond yeah but this bond is basically a physiological and chemical reaction that's created within your body and i'm not going to go into it too much if anyone wants to know more about trauma bond then message me mm. but it basically makes you addicted to them and this isn't something that you're necessarily aware of it's a chemical response that's happening to how they've treated you so when you get the highs and lows mm. within the relationship all types of hormones and chemicals get released within your brain which create a reaction in your body which essentially creates this trauma bond mm. which then makes it really hard to leave it's why you might go back it's 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 so yeah so it totally causes an emotional response but it creates a physiological response as a result of the abuse yeah would you say that's uh, similar to uh, being dependent of that person then out of interest so having that dependency on them to make decisions choices um, and yeah. you know, finances it's like kind of a similar thing a similar thing so I mean really how a trauma bond works is you um you know that this person is hurting you and treating you bad but you still look to them to give you support and comfort mm. so it's like they might have made you cry but you still want them to hug you to make it feel better mm, yeah and it and it causes this kind of cognitive dissociance within your brain so that although you know logically one thing, you feel and you behave in a different way. Mm. And it's basically, so when you do break up and you manage to get out and you're looking at healing, you know, talking about the emotional side, it's like you're having to rewire your brain because how <laughs> they've basically, however long you've been with them, they've, re they've wired your brain to respond to them yeah. and react and accept mm. certain behaviors that you probably wouldn't have before yeah. but during the relationship and along with everything else I mean we're just talking about one aspect of yeah. the control within a relationship that mm. makes it hard and and it's and obviously you know when you're leaving it's why you probably see people going, oh, no contact, but it's really hard. Why is no contact so important? Does it really matter? And there's all these kind of phrases that we hear, but we don't necessarily understand the reasons why. Mm. And a lot of it is to do with rewiring that brain that's 
gone from here and we need to put it back to here essentially yeah and it's like like we've spoken it's definitely not an easy subject um or easy thing to you know sort of unpick and then yeah. put back together in different places or things like that um so somebody said they've got no questions to to ask because they're still trying to escape um but they would like some advice on you know that that side of it of escaping maybe that that if they get educated a bit on it that they'll be able to you know get away from that relationship so i don't know what advice you can give to somebody who's looking to escape yeah i mean the fact that they've written that question is really good because it shows that they've got a level of awareness that yeah. something is wrong within their relationship you know and that's such an important step because quite often you get you're in these relationships I know with mine it took me a really long time to actually identify what was happening and then I was like and then you make excuses and you kind of give them second chances and you say it's because they're stressed or it was the alcohol or whatever it is but I know what I a book I found really helpful is um before I attended the freedom program I just bought the book on the kindle and I read it Mm -hmm. So that's the Freedom Programme by Pat Craven. So that's really informative. Mm -hmm. And another really good book to read is Why Does He Do That? Inside the Minds of Angry and Controlling Men by um, Lundy Buncroft. Mm -hmm. So when I read that book, I basically took a highlighter and I went through and all the behaviors that I saw as my ex I highlighted because in my mind I was like this can't be an abusive relationship it's just because of whatever whatever but when I got halfway through the book and I saw that pretty much everything was highlighted I was like you know what <laughs> this, is, this is not normal and yeah. I need to be doing something and there's steps I need to take so yeah education is key definitely educate yourself but the one thing I will say is if you are thinking of leaving, make a safety plan and yeah. prepare. Document everything that's going on just in case you need it, especially if you've got children. Make a safety plan. If you need help with this, contact me because I can give you a list of the type of things that you would need to prepare for and start kind of getting ready because the statistically they say that when a woman leaves that is actually the most dangerous time so yeah. you have to remember that ultimately you have to take care of yourself and you have to do this in a manner where you are safe it's really important but yeah definitely educate yourself so read those two books contact me if you want any extra support or you want the list of things that you need mm. and um yeah no thank you for that well we've got we've got a bunch of questions left but i know we're gonna to have to sort of come to a close so i think what might be good is to do a part two for this okay. <laughs> because there's so much to unpack and to be honest the questions that have been asked are quite diverse so i want to say thank you zoe for spending your time um you're welcome the, these questions today and actually what we're going to do is if you head over to hashtag abuse talk on twitter we're going to discuss uh, narcissistic abuse because i think it'd be really good to unpick everything we've heard from zoe and sort of continue that discussion about 
that particular form of abuse. Um, we can discuss what we've heard, what we've learned, and also our opinions on the matter, because as everybody knows, we're all a non-judgmental community and we're all allowed our own opinions on it. So Zoe, thank you so much. And we will look at a date in the diary to reschedule, but I really appreciate your time and going into so much detail about narcissism and that form of abuse. So thank you so much. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I, it's a, um, yeah, it's a horrible topic, but I do think that the more people understand it and the mindset behind it, mm. then it is freeing. I mean, I post about this stuff on my social media channels just so that people can basically learn because I would say the first step to freeing yourself from it is educating yourself, definitely. Well, yeah, that was another thing. Where can people find you? Because I know we're going to do another an, another one, but let's um, talk about where we can find you in the meantime. So what social media channels, yeah. et cetera? So I'm on um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you'll find me under self-love after abuse. Um, if you want to connect with me personally, then obviously that's Zoe Parsons. And if you want to go to my website, I've got some blogs on there and some information that you might find helpful. That is um, www.selfloveafterabuse.com. So yeah, send me a message. I'm always kind of connecting with people and just answering odd questions because, you know, I know how alone you feel when you're in mm. this situation and I don't want anyone to feel they're alone because they're not. There are people out there that can help you and support you. No, well, thank you so much. And what I'll do is I'll pop all the information in the uh, info, the description of um, this video and podcast. So if you head to there, and I will also pop the links to the books that Zoe's referenced as well, so that you can just literally click on through. So thank you again. You're <laughs> so welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs>